This is Joseph Carlson, and this is episode 81 of Gaming with Grief, and I'm calling this episode, I'm on a boat to Catan! Uh, But before I get into that, let me do the intro. Again, this podcast will hit my website, www.gamewithgrief.com, at Monday at 7 a.m. Go there, leave a comment, let me know what you think of the podcast, that would be great. Or you could go over to iTunes, Uh, go there, Uh, it's the Gaming with Grief podcast with Joseph Carlson, go there and let me think... Let me, let me know what you think of the podcast and, uh, you know, like, subscribe, leave a comment, all that kind of stuff. Or you could reach me directly at uh, gwgpodfellows at gmail.com. Again, that's gwgpodfellows at gmail.com. So those are all the places you can reach me. And, uh, you know, this week I'm calling this episode, I'm on a boat to Catan because I, like a lot of people, decided um, that I wanted to clean out a lot of things that were happening in my life. Um, you know, just physical things where I was just kind of sick of uh, a lot of the bloat. I have a small house and I kind of looked around and I have a lot of board games that I haven't played, uh, not really because of the pandemic, but uh, I think it's the logistics of board games. Um, You know, we all are very busy. You get a new board game. It seems like new board games. There's a lot of pieces. It takes a lot of time. You have to get people over to your place to play them. Uh, This happened before uh, the coronavirus, you know, obviously. I'm sure people are still doing it now. Long story short, uh, and I promise I won't say that anymore. Anyway, um, the thing is, uh, it takes a long time to set up new board games. There's a lot of pieces. Sometimes you're reading directions for anywhere from 30 minutes to an hour. The first playthrough of the game is very uh, difficult. Uh, In a past episode, my wife and I tried to play um, a game that now I don't remember that. Oh, Near and Far, we tried playing that. But it was trying to watch a 45-minute video online because the directions in the game, in my opinion, were terrible. Uh, There was somebody trying to explain the game uh, on their YouTube channel. They won a bunch of awards. And it was just weird because, uh, you know, this is a game that had won awards. And I don't think my wife and I are dumb or foolish. um, And we play lots of board games. And this just took time. And it just really made me reflect, you know, how long and difficult it is to play board games just to sit down and unpack everything and like get everything set up. You know, again, you have to make sure that people are available. You have to um, have a big amount of time set away, you know, sometimes weekends to play games. Uh, If you walk away from the game, uh, you know, a long time ago in high school, I played Axis and Allies. And that was a game where if you walked away for a little bit, you took a break and you couldn't touch the board. Uh, There were so many pieces. If somebody accidentally was grabbing a snack or something and, and, and hit the board, it would remove or move pieces. And that was just really annoying, um, you know, and it's frustrating and to keep track of all that. So uh, I found online there is digital versions of a lot of board games, not a lot. There's digital versions of like Monopoly and Uno. I think we all know of that. But I was looking for more niche board games. Maybe not niche is a bad word. Um, Settlers of Catan is a board game that came out years and years and years ago. Um, and it also... Um, you know, is in many different forms. There's many different expansions. I did not understand the game. I have been, um, you know, I've been asked to play the game several times uh, by friends and family that love the game. I totally trust them. I think it would have been a great time to play the game. But I just, again, trying to find the time with the pandemic. 
uh, even before the pandemic, finding the time. And then, you know, you'd ask people, you know, on the back of the box, it usually says, oh, the game takes 30 to 45 minutes, but not on your first playthrough. And even when you're playing with a group of people, you know, I played like Twilight Imperium, and that takes a long time to set up. Uh, you don't understand some of the rules. I was trying to pull off like end game moves in Twilight Imperium uh, in the first turn. And so we said, oh, no, you can't do that right away. It's like all these things that just kind of get in the way of you playing a game. And so I looked online, uh, luckily with Xbox Game Pass and other services. Actually, they were having a uh, Cyber Monday slash uh, Black Friday deal on the Nintendo eShop. And I had been looking at Catan, the digital version of the board game for a while. It was on sale for $10, which I thought was a steal. So I got it uh, for 10 bucks, and I sat down and played it for about an hour. I did the tutorial for about 30 minutes, and then I played uh, one match of the campaign and lost. Um, but it was just very convenient to, I didn't try any of the online play, so I can't attest to that, but it was very convenient to just hit a button and start playing the game. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people have this feeling too. I mean, Catan is, um, you know, expensive. It's probably 40 to 60 bucks, depending on where you go to get the game. It might be cheaper now, um, the eShop sale, again, was for $10, but on normal price of $20 for a board game is pretty, pretty affordable. It's it, And I think, um, unfortunately, with this game, you can't do a local co-op because they don't want people to see what you're doing. You know, you don't want people to see your resources and things like that. And I read an article off Polygon with the developers, and they said they tested different ways to get people to, you know, share info or... And it just didn't work out. So they said, you know, the worst case scenario is everybody has to buy a copy of the game if you want to play like a local game. Um, but at $20, that's not bad. Um, and I think it's a cheap way to get in. Um, and so, I, yeah, I played it for an hour. So basically this podcast is me giving, like, you can't really beat Catan. I can beat the campaign, which is just a bunch of levels to get you better at the campaign. But I probably will be checking back in a few weeks to give you an impression of more of the game I played and being online. Um, I know this podcast, again, I'm trying to stay on task of it being with grief, but I know around the holidays, a lot of people get sad. You know, you want to be around people. The holidays is usually not a good time if you've suffered from grief, uh, like me, I think of my family a lot around the holidays and it is a good kind of respite to sit around with people that you enjoy their company and just play a board game and kind of lose yourself in that. And so this is maybe a cheap alternative for people that maybe alone during the holidays or you know the holidays are just a tough time for you because of circumstances like I said with grief or loss um so maybe this is a window in for you to kind of one get out of your comfort zone maybe play because we all you know I talk about games in this podcast and they're usually shooters either third or first person you're killing something this is a board game and it's uh you know you can work together with people if you have an alliance again I, I think in a week or two um, well, probably several weeks because I'll talk about a project that's coming up uh, on the podcast. It'll take a few weeks. But um, in the next few weeks, I will dive, dive into the online and I'll let you guys know what I think. But my initial impressions of the game are uh, just like reading a tutorial uh, out of a booklet when you're sitting around your friends. I think the tutorial in this is not great. It does certain things. And really, I know the tutorial is really trying to signpost you to do certain things. Hey, Put a piece right here, but they don't talk. They maybe give you one sentence to strategy, which I know is difficult, but I don't think they do a very good job of explaining uh, the game. What it does give you enough of, I think, is the basics. It explains what the pieces do, what the symbols mean, the resources, 
and kind of go through an easy game. Of course, I won. It's a tutorial. I'm a boss. Anyway, long story short, uh, I beat the tutorial and was able to get through that. But I think what the better thing to do is after you do the tutorial once, just go back, start playing the campaign. It sets up a single-player storyline for you to get through instead of violence. Basically, it's like an offline mode of the game. You play the computer, um, and I'm sure later on the computer ramps up and is very difficult. Right now, the computer was very easy, but it did kick my butt uh, once. Uh, I played one game. It took 30 minutes to do one game in the campaign, which, as far as games go, isn't really that bad. It isn't a two-hour affair. Uh, you don't have to remember where the board is. You can load your progress and save your progress from previous games so you know exactly where you were at. Your progress carries over. You don't have to be like, oh, man, how many pieces of wool did I have? How much ore did I have? It doesn't matter. All that stuff is there for you. Uh, it's just a load of a game. Um, you can go and look at the legend of the game if you don't know what the pieces do or you forget stuff. That's something that feels really embarrassing sometimes when you're sitting down to play a game and you have to explain to people, hey, man, I don't really know. I mean, is that wool or is that, oh, oh, you know, because even in this, the trees kind of look, the wood planks, which is ore actually, kind of looks like the wood that you would need for whatever. Um, all that stuff is laid out. They also highlight things you can do even out of the tutorial when I was playing the campaign. If you can craft something, it is highlighted in the menu. Uh, you know, several games, you don't, wait, can I do this? I played several board games again where you're sitting there going, wait, can I do this? Should I do that? Can I do this? Oh, you keep having to ask people. And here, uh, you don't have to. I was looking online at some of the rules of online. I didn't get online. But they only give you, uh, I think, a minute to do a move to consider what you're doing. Uh, they don't want people to be idle, and they don't want people to you know, waste other people's times. So um, my initial impression is I had a great time with the game, and I'm hoping to play more of it. Again, the campaign beat me, but my advice to anybody starting the game, if you get it, I think it's on several different platforms. I just got it on the Switch. But if you get it on the Switch, do the tutorial very quickly. Just kind of breeze through it. Uh, my wife was trying to watch me. She was getting kind of frustrated because it basically just tells you what to do and maybe it gives you a sentence of context of like, here's where you want to do this, which I guess is uh, like any game. It's easy to play, hard to master. Um, but anyway, do that and then go on and immediately jump into the campaign. There's a setup thing of you landing in Catan, uh, a queen there. It's a, it's a word bubble. She says, hey, welcome to Catan. Set up your island. Let's play. You know, I'm nice. Other people aren't going to be nice. And they even have viewer players in the initial mission. So you will be able to kind of ramp up to a four-person game. Um, I didn't really say what the game is, which I probably should. So the game is a resource management game where you acquire resources by being on certain tiles. You acquire these resources and you build roads through these tiles and, and build cities and towns that connect through the roads that you've built. Now, you can build roads to block people. They can build roads to block you. Uh, they can also, you can trade with people if you're like, man, I got so much wool. This is crazy. I need to give up some of this wool. You give up the wool and you can see if other people want to trade with you. Maybe they'll give you a piece of ore. Maybe they'll give you some um, wood or some, um, you can have raw ore. Oh, you can have stone or ore to build more roads. Uh, you know, there's a prerequisite, obviously, to build. Um, also, there's a little bit of chance. At the beginning of your turn, you roll dice. Based on those, you roll two six-sided dice. Based on those dice numbers, 
Uh, if you border a territory that matches those numbers, because not only is there resources on the tiles, but there's a random number, if that gets set down, you roll some dice. Let's say there's five on some wheat and five on some stone, and it's near a road that you built, you get those resources. So uh, you only get one of those resources, but it's a way for you to acquire resources before your turn, which I like because basically, <clears throat> excuse me, basically what it lets you do is decide if you want to trade right off or you can wait to get resources later to, um, you know, like you don't want to trade right away. You know, you want to hold everything back. Um, they also added a bit of chance. There's a thief uh, that will come up on the screen and basically um, he steals from whoever. Sometimes he doesn't steal from you. Sometimes he steals from other people. Sometimes you can be the beneficiary of the thief and they do steal for you which is pretty cool when you randomly get resources. There's also resource cards or development cards that they call. So there's, um, you know, you can develop, uh, you can have a knight. So if the thief comes, you can deploy the knight and, and put on one of the tiles, you can say, I want to block this tile. If anything's happening here, we're going to catch the thief and the, the theft will not happen. You can also, I got a development card. It's completely random. One where you build roads. And the only card that I got that I was able to spend money on, uh, or the resources, I got a card that'll let me build two roads costing nothing, which can be amazing because the more roads you build, uh, the more victory points you get. You need six victory points right now that I'm playing to win the game. So obviously the more and more roads you build, the better it is. Cities give you a victory point. If you get to a coast or, an, or a dock, you get victory points. Uh, again, this is all like an initial, uh, you know, kind of, want me playing about three rounds of the tutorial and one thing of the campaign but you know it does something uh my wife you know it's like i didn't you know they just kind of threw a bunch of terms at you i didn't really like it did you like it i said i did enjoy it but i understand you know if you're just looking at a screen and someone's just barking orders at you you can see where it can be really interesting i could see where if her and i played online uh it would be really fun i think that would be kind of neat but she kind of looked at it and said i don't really want to i don't want to buy that game so, but actually, this brings up to a good topic. So, I'm having a good time with Catan. My wife was on Game Pass a little bit ago, and I noticed that on Game Pass, they have the board game Ticket to Ride, which I've heard about for years. But you can download it on Game Pass and play it um, pretty much as long as you have Game Pass. So, I think um, I'm going to play that in the next few weeks and report back to you more of Catan and Ticket to Ride. It might be my digital board game edition or something that I'll talk about these board games because I think there's one other board game I want to play in there. And then maybe I'll do a little bit of research to see because uh, there was one board game I was going to talk to you guys about, but I think it was mostly online. And I think they had to take it offline because, you know, there wasn't a lot of people populating the servers. It wasn't very popular. So, you know, it's hard to develop a game that just nobody's really, you know, crazy for. So that puts those people in a rough spot. Um, yeah, so I think that's what I'm going to do. I think uh, I'm probably going to collect, I'm going to have more of these thoughts. I'm going to collect all this stuff um, in, in a more thorough uh, podcast because, you know, I would say that I do board games and card games, but I don't do a lot of board games. So I think that this, I think uh, uh, money-wise and just time-wise is more, I don't know, it's more easy to swallow, I guess. It's, it's just easier for someone to just click a button and log into a game and play a board game online. Um I know there's a massive community for Uno on Twitch, and um, it'll, it'll be interesting if there's like a Catan community. I'm kind of scared to look online because I'm such a noob. Um, I feel that maybe um, I would be like fresh meat. So, but yeah, initially 
That is my impression of Catan. I enjoyed it, and I want to play more. Am I good? I am not good at all. I'm terrible. I don't want to go online. I'm actually scared to go online. I'm probably going to get beat up by somebody. But I want to go online in a way to see how vibrant the community is and, um, you know, to see if I can get a match quickly. That's always a good, um, I don't know, barometer for how an online community is doing if you, uh, you know... If you can find a match quickly, I was actually going to purchase the Star Wars video game Squadrons, which is dogfighting based, but I've heard, uh, not that the game is bad, I've heard the game is very good, but match times now, from the reports I've seen online and like various things on Twitter, is it takes almost seven minutes to get into a match, <clears throat> and I think that's kind of troubling, like I really want the game to be good, but if you have to wait eight to ten minutes to get into a match, like that's rough, like I, I feel bad for those developers, I hope they can do something to kind of boost uh, you know, that. So, um, yeah, so that's my initial impressions of Catan. Like I said, I'll probably do a bigger project where I kind of combine a bunch of board games. Maybe it'll be closer on the holidays. That'd probably be better for people so you can decide, like, shopping habits, um, you know, stuff like that. I'll probably do that. So, yeah, okay. And um, finally, before I go, um, the big project I want to talk about was, I think I mentioned it a few podcasts ago, where there's a new mod, well, newer for me, this has been around for, I don't know, two or three years, it's a module for D&D called Eberron, Rising from the Last War. I bought the book, uh, as you know, listen to this podcast, we did the Dragon Age recap, I'm a big pen and paper role-playing guy, um, so I bought the Eberron thing, I read through it, I read it cover to cover, uh, except I skipped the monsters, so uh, that was a lie. Anyway, I read most of the book, 95% of it. And just kind of approached my wife and one of my friends. He was actually Martin. He was the one that was in the Dragon Age thing. And said, hey, I want to do just a simple kind of three-session campaign uh, to kind of work out some of the... um, Get the flavor of this world because it's steampunk. There's firearms. There's, um, you know, warships that float in the air. There's, war. There's you know, uh, pedestrian taxis. There's sail ships. There's crazy stuff. There's a... There's a rail system that uses air elementals. It's just it, it's the it's a weird steampunk version of D and D fifth edition. So I bought it. I thought it was strange. Again, I approached my wife, my friend Martin, said, "Hey, I want to do this kind of one shot. Would you guys be interested?" They said they were. So we've already recorded several episodes. Uh, we did a session zero, which was me just telling, "Here's what I want to do. It'll be this many sessions long." are you guys interested? Uh, again, my wife did an amazing job. She said, oh, I don't know, I'm going to be pretty terrible. And as you can hear in the conversation, which will be coming up, I believe next week, I'll start uh, putting them out. She says, uh, oh, you know, like she really got into it and started getting a idea for her character. So then what we did was um, we recorded that session, the session zero, and then we did like a session 0.5, which is basically long, um, I'm going to edit it down because uh, some of it was checking the mics, some of it was you listening to us uh, be silent. But Martin uh, rolled up a character and talked a little bit about his backstory. And my wife rolled up a character and talked a little bit about her backstory. So it was really cool. Uh, she had an idea. Again, she said she was terrible, but she was great because she, um, <laughs> she Googled a name of her character that she randomly thought of. Uh, well, not randomly, but she Googled it. She, she basically had an idea and you could really see her kind of warm up to role playing, which was like like kind of great to see. So that will be coming out. The first uh, session will be coming out next week. So it'll be the session zero. We all kind of sit around and talk about uh, what the game's going to be like. You know what it's going to entail, and then there will be other sessions to follow. 
Um, the next one is the character creation session. So it's kind of like a session 0.5. That's very long. It was about an hour and a half, but I'll edit that down. And then from there, early next week, <clears throat> we'll be getting together to do like the first session and kind of setting up a backstory for these two because they have a relationship together, the two characters. And then the heist will begin. Uh, and then the second part will be them pulling the heist off. And then the third part um, will be, you know, the exfiltration, the cleanup. Uh, we brought back all the cool stuff. Uh, we're going to go fence it. Hopefully we can pay off if we have debts or we don't upset people or whatever. And um, yeah, so I'm really looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to, instead of talking about what kind of GM or DM or whatever storyteller I am, uh, through audio and my wife even though she's required by law to tell me that i'm amazing uh hopefully i'll be able to show off uh the good and bad of my storytelling techniques and you'll be able to actually hear it in the campaign and that'll be coming up again next week and that'll be session zero but then the following weeks will be you know this the character creation the session one the heist the session two you know there or the session one the setup session two the heist session three the getaway like stuff like that it'll be very short um, and that'll actually put me uh, a little bit ahead, so I'll be able to work on these other projects, the board gaming project, like I talked about, and some other things. I am trying to finish some games, but it's gonna, those those uh, podcasts are going to be long because the games do have to deal with grief. They're video games, and I'm really trying to not rush it and really kind of think, um, you know, deeply and have and, and maybe go to some message boards after I finish them and kind of like collect myself. Um, funny story, just as an aside, I was reading. Uh, last week um, from a PR firm. They post an article online about how you get PR contacts in gaming and how that works, at least from their side. You know, like, hey, how do we go about giving people appraisals to decide if they get a game early or if they get a game at all from us for free? Um, and, you know, the number one thing they said was uh, viewership. You know, we want people either on YouTube or if they have some kind of video, whatever. We want our product, obviously, to be seen which makes sense if you work for a PR firm and you want your video game to reach as many people as possible, you want to give it to media outlets that have a large reach or a, a big voice. And uh, I don't really think I have either, but I'm trying to get there. I'm trying to build it. Um, but another thing I was thinking was, you know, I'm playing a couple of games right now uh, for the podcast and I'm trying to get done with them. And I work a day job and there's other things going on and I'm also trying to relax. It was my birthday last week. Long story short, I don't think that I want to, you know, like some of the stuff I don't want to rush. If I'm really going to sit here and talk about grief and be really reflective of games and other media, I don't want to, um, you know, come off as flippant. And as I was talking to my therapist, whenever you're trying to articulate an idea, no matter what it is, especially about grief, it's about how you articulate something and how clear you are when you articulate um, which I guess is kind of redundant, but it's the idea of, you know, you want to be thoughtful and you want to think of stuff from different angles. Um, and I understand in other gaming spheres, they can't really do that because it's like, was the game good objectively or was it bad? You know, that's someone's opinion. That's fine. We've all had games out there we think are great and our, our friends and family think are trash or other people in the industry think are trash. But the idea is to really think critically about grief in games and not rush it. And I think that's really what I'm pushing for. So um, I think the Last of Us 2 review I did, the spoiler cast, I think was a good example of that. Um, I think in the future, I'm going to take more notes. Uh, I did have a Last of Us Part 2. You know, when I finished that game, I immediately went to podcast about my thoughts. And um, although I think it was a good episode, 
there's some parts where I think I meandered because I was alone. And also, I think that, um, you know, I didn't give myself time with the game. Uh, I did listen back a little bit to that episode, and I don't think it was bad, but I think definitely I would have had a different take if I would have waited a little bit with the game and just sat with it, you know? And I think a lot of reviewers feel that too, but I think me especially, uh, again, if you're trying to focus on grief and make that something about games, like, that's important. So that's really what I'm shooting for. Um, You know, the thing with the PR, I got excited because I thought, oh, here's my way to get in with the PR firm and get a game. But, you know, you can't pitch to someone, well, I don't, you know, I have a podcast, there's 80-some-odd episodes, it's going pretty good, I have a few viewers, like, that's not a good way to get to people but if you could at least if I could at least show them a body of my work like a portfolio and say listen I've did like deep dives into last with part two you know I've did deep dives into these books that have to do with um you know I usually do gaming but these books were really powerful they had to do with grief I've covered uh other games that have to do with grief and here's really where my wheelhouse is I think that would be important so I'm hoping that um, you know, in the future I can do that. And I'm hoping you guys are here along for the ride. Uh, but again, uh, let me do the outro really quick. So this, uh, podcast, uh, www.gamewithgrief, that's where it'll hit. This podcast will hit that website, uh, Monday morning at 7am. So go there, leave a comment. Let me know what you think. Um, or you can go to iTunes, go to the gaming with grief podcast with Joseph Carlson, go there, uh, like subscribe, give me stars. Let me know what you think. Or, you can reach me at gwgpodfellows at gmail.com. Uh, go there, let me know what you think. And uh, before I forget, I'm on Twitter. Go to Twitter, at JustLittleJoe on Twitter. That's my handle. I might make an official Gaming with Group podcast, um, you know, pod uh, Twitter handle. I think I can do that. Um, so, yeah, I'll try that. And then that's where we're at. So, you guys, be safe. The holidays are coming up. Be safe out there. Uh, COVID cases are on the rise. Uh, don't go to your house if you don't have to, um, you know, wear a mask, uh, decorate your Christmas tree, say hello to your relatives in the safest way possible. And I will talk to you guys next week.